What's going on, everybody? Welcome to the Oasis Podcast. Oasis is the college and young adult ministry at Park West Church in Knoxville, Tennessee. Come hang out with us if you're ever in the area on a Thursday night. We'd love to meet you face to face. If you don't already, make sure you follow us on social media at Oasis PWC to stay updated with everything going on here with the Oasis family. Thank you so much for joining us for this week's message. Let's jump in. Go ahead and turn to the Gospel of John. It has been three weeks since I've preached in this room. It feels like it's been an eternity. And I am fired up and ready for the Word. John chapter 4. If you missed last week, Pastor Jeremy McGinnis preached an incredible word where a homie fell out of a window. If you haven't heard the story, it's in Acts chapter 20. It's wild. You can check it out, Oasis PwC on YouTube. If you weren't here the week before, my man Trevor Perry preached a fire word. My goodness, you need to make sure you go check it. It's on the YouTube channel as well. But tonight, we're going to be in John chapter 4. Holler at me when you're there. You there? All right, it's going to be on the screen too. All right, John chapter 4, starting in uh, verse 25. And the woman said, I know that Messiah called the Christ is coming, and when he comes, he will explain everything to us. And then Jesus declared, I, the one speaking to you, I am he. Tonight, I want to preach a message titled Tuesday. Simply Tuesday. Turn to your neighbor and say, Tuesday. It's not a Monday. It's a Tuesday. One more time for good measure. Turn to your other neighbor and say, Tuesday. (laughs) Let's pray. God, thank you for who you are. Thank you for your word. Thank you that we have an opportunity to be here tonight. I ask, God, that you would um, let there be a special anointing in the house. That for the next few moments, as we hear your word, Lord, that it would transform our hearts and minds. Lord God, that tonight in in the worship, in the word, and some smiles and high fives and hugs, God, that we would be able to encounter your love and encounter your Holy Spirit. And Lord, that these people and myself would gain five extra friends in the process, that community would happen here. Lord, we love you and we thank you and we praise you. And all God's people said, amen. I love Thursday nights. Like I mentioned, it's been a little while since I've been able to preach on a Thursday night and praise God for some incredible people that can step up and bring the word. Y'all didn't skip a beat. The word happened the last two Thursdays. You know what's funny? I didn't care nothing about Thursdays until we moved Oasis to Thursday night. Anybody else? Like Thursday was just a Thursday. You know, like Wednesday has always been Wednesday. For those of you that grew up in church, Wednesday is like, it's the thing. Okay. It's the thing. And then Sunday is like the Super Bowl for the church. It's like every week, it's the big deal. Well, I guess I should reword that. Easter is Super Bowl Sunday for for the church. But you've got these couple days out of the week. You see, I didn't care anything at all for Thursdays until Oasis happened on Thursday. You know what else I love about Thursday is it means tomorrow is Friday. And y'all know Friday, Friday, everybody gets down on Friday. Sorry, bad reference. Some of you caught it. Some of you caught it. Some of you didn't. Those of you that did catch it, I apologize because it's in your head now and it's going to be there for a little while. (laughs) There it is. There it is. But Friday is the day we're all looking for. And it's funny. Friday is like, thank goodness I have been set free. We're going to celebrate. And then Monday, not so much. Stereotypically, most people, Friday, great, Monday, bad, right? We're on the same page with that. It's like Friday is this mountaintop while Monday is the valley low. 
And I don't know if you've been in these mountaintop, valley, low experiences, but some of you know exactly what I'm talking about. You're in this season of life. You're like, man, I got the new car. I got the girl. I got the job. Life was going good. And then you blink. And it's like, man, I got a flat tire. My girl dumped me. And my boss is an idiot. And now it's a whole other situation. Like the things you were just celebrating in the mountaintop or the issues that you cry about in the valley low. It happens quick. These mountaintop and these valley low moments. But tonight I want to talk about what you do in the in-between. Because life isn't lived on Friday and on Monday. There's five other days out of the week. And there are times in life when you're on this mountaintop. There are times when you're in the valley. And God shows up in both of them. Amen. But what do you do the other five days of the week? What do you do on a Tuesday? Turn to your neighbor and say, Tuesday. Oh, I love y'all. One more time, because you're enjoying it. Say Tuesday. Our passage of scripture that we're looking at tonight, John chapter four, to me feels like a Tuesday. And here's why I say that. If you were to read the first few chapters of the gospel of John, Jesus has just started doing his ministry. Like things are just taking place. A little bit before this, he goes through Cana and Galilee and the famous like wedding miracle happens where Jesus turned the water into wine at the, the wedding. If you haven't read it, go back and read it. I'm telling you, it's fantastic. Everything's fantastic. The gospels are huge. You're going to see all these wild stories. But he turns water into wine. He goes on from there into another city to celebrate the Passover. He's officially kind of started this celebratory like ministry traveling evangelist life. He goes lastly into the Judean countryside, the Bible says, because John the Baptist is there. So he gets an opportunity to hear John the Baptist preach. And then where we land in chapter four is he's simply going back to Galilee. It's not this big spiritual experience. Jesus is literally traveling back. And if you will give me the grace, I like to think of it this way. Jesus has been to youth camp and had the crazy Passover festival experience, right? He did the few days away. They had this crazy revival. Life happened. It was incredible. Then he goes into the wilderness to hear John preach. And he even like ministers to Jesus, has this whole conversation, tells everybody this is the Messiah. This is a big deal. There's this whole massive moment that happens. And then they leave. All the spiritual things have happened. All the wild revival things have happened. And now Jesus is just on the road, heading from Judea back to Galilee when this wild scene takes place. See, between Judea and Galilee, you had Samaria. Turn to your neighbor and say, Samaria. The reason that Samaria is important is because of how much tension there was between the Jews and the Samaritans. If you go back and you look at this historically, legitimately the word for it is racism. There was a lot of hate, there was a lot of drama, there was a lot of beef. So what would have happened is the disciples and Jesus load up in town after they've had this whole church Sunday crazy wild experience. They roll out of there to go back home and they pass through the city. And Jesus says to the disciples, hey, let's, hey, 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 hold up. Let's make a pit stop here at Samaria because I'm hungry and I'm tired. The Bible says that the disciples go into Samaria, which again, you've got to understand, this is a hilarious situation. If you go back and you watch like movies or TV shows that will depict this, it's really funny to watch because they do their best to show just how much the disciples probably did not want to go into that city. 
Jesus sits down by this big well and just hangs out, working on his tan, resting for a minute, and sends the disciples in to go get some food. So they've left him here alone. Again, context is everything. Because he's tired, because he's hungry. Yeah? Turn to your neighbor and say, tired. Turn to your other neighbor and say, hungry. That's going to be important in a minute. Now, Jesus sends them away, and all of a sudden, there's this woman that's standing there at the well, and he starts his healthy conversation with her. The banter back and forth between them is quite funny. Again, she's a Samaritan woman. He really had no business talking to these people from Samaria, but Jesus doesn't play those games, right? Jesus doesn't play the cultural norms, the racism, junk, the mess. He's like, no, we're going to have a conversation. Anybody else thankful that Jesus will just have a conversation? Regardless of the drama and the culture and the whatever and the nonsense, Jesus is going to get right in your face and have a healthy conversation. He opens this conversation with this woman and he says, I'm thirsty. Can you draw some water from the well for me to drink? And this woman, knowing good and well that it's weird for them to be talking, this woman says to him, basically, who are you? <laughs> Don't you know that I'm a Samaritan and you're obviously a Jew and we shouldn't be having this whole conversation? Is that why would you be asking me for water in the first place? And then Jesus, being Jesus, says, if you knew who you were talking to, you would ask me for water to drink. Now she's all offended. And this conversation, I'm telling you, go back and read it yourself later. I'm going to give you the Caleb translation to save us some time tonight. The conversation gets funnier and funnier as they go. Jesus says, if you knew who you were talking to, you'd ask me for living water. Well, then she's all offended because she says, are you greater than our father Jacob who put this well in place? And again, we talk about the Old Testament, the God of Abraham, Isaac, and Jacob. That Jacob is the one that put that well in the ground. And it's been passed down from generation to generation. She's like, you have water better than the well that the Jacob put here? Ha <laughs> nay, nay. You're like, there's no way. <laughs> but Jesus says, I have water. I have water that if you drink from, it'll fill you forever. The context of this blows my mind because there's so many times in my life that I come in on a Thursday night and I'm like, all right, God, rock my socks off. I'm ready for the Holy Ghost. <laughs> give me living water. Give me that. But Jesus isn't at the church service right now. Jesus just had the past festival where they had the celebration and all this stuff happened. There's a lot of times where Jesus goes into the temple and preaches all these sermons. That's not what's happening right now. Jesus offers living water to a woman, if you will, on a Tuesday. It's not Sunday. It's not Thursday. There's not. And I, I was reading this this week and couldn't help but think, man, God, how many times have you tried to offer me living water and I wasn't even listening because it wasn't Thursday or Sunday? How many times have I just been trucking along, just desperately trying to get things done, dealing with my own anxieties, my own depression, my own drama? And Jesus is like, boy, here, I've got living water. It's refreshing. It's got ice in it. You'll feel a lot better. You dehydrated on the thing that you need the most. How often do I skip living water because it's not on the church day? Turn to your neighbor and say Tuesday. Jesus ministers to this woman right where she is on a day that's not the norm. On a day that's not when everybody else is there. And the conversation gets deeper. He meets her right where he is. He goes on to say, hey, where's your husband at? <laughs> she says, well, I, I don't 
a husband. And Jesus, again, being Jesus, says, you are correct. Not only do you not have a husband, you have had five husbands, and the one you're with right now is not your husband. And at this point, I have to think, she's like, stop. She's like looking around the well, hoping there's no shepherds coming by. The disciples aren't back. She's like, you ain't got to tell everybody everything. Jesus like, but what happened in that moment is Jesus said, I know where you're at. I know what you've done, and I still want to give you living water. And again, I wonder, how many times have I counted myself out? For the one thing that I need, more than anything. Because I didn't have it all together, because it wasn't a Sunday. Help us, Lord. Help us, Lord. And you know what blows my mind about this story is what happens next. They have this whole banter, right? This whole back and forth. He tells her about all her stuff, reads her mail right there between the two of them. <laughs> tells her he's got living water that she'll never thirst again. And then look what happens next. When she realizes that he's at least a prophet, she says, you must be a prophet. And she continues in verse 25 to our opening passage. The woman said, I know that Messiah called Christ is coming. And when he comes, he will explain everything to us. And then Jesus declared, I, the one speaking to you, I am he. Woo, this blows my mind. And I know it seems like such a simple thing, but here's why this is just so stinking incredible. When Jesus talked with the disciples, he asked them, who do you say I am? When Jesus would go preach in the temples, the Sadducees and the Pharisees would try to get it out of them. Who are you? Why do you talk like you do? Why do you preach like you do? And he intentionally was kind of vague about it. And on a day that's not a Sunday, on a day that's not a Thursday, it's not a Wednesday, face to face with this woman, he says, I am the Messiah. I wonder what God wants to reveal to you at your house with nobody else along, with nobody else there, just you and Jesus. I wonder if our deepest revelations are not going to come from what I preach on a Thursday, but what you hear in the prayer closet on a Tuesday. The depth of our relationship with Jesus cannot be measured based off of this. Don't hear me wrong. The Bible says, do not forsake the gathering of the brethren. This is important. Community, accountability, this is a big deal. And that's why COVID has been such a mess. Because it's given everybody this idea that we can get by with just online church. And I'm not that guy. Hear me, online church is fantastic. The fact that you can miss for a Sunday and still get the word in you and still worship with the family is fantastic. But don't misunderstand, that's not a replacement for accountability and community. That's an incredible tool that you can miss some here and there. Or you can get all the scripture you can handle. You can listen to the best sermons from the best preachers all around the world anytime you want to on a podcast or on YouTube. But you can't get any kind of counterfeit for this right here. But I wonder if Jesus would go deeper with us if we gave him time other than a Thursday night. It's like dating. My wife and I love a good date night. And not, listen, we're bougie. I won't, put my, I won't put that on my wife. I'm bougie. She don't spend no money. She's fine. I'm the one that's high maintenance. And if you know us, you already know that that's the case. And it, it just is what it is. But every once in a while, we're going to get some money saved up. And we're going to go to P.F. Chang's and spend all the money we got. 
and we're going to go to Brewster's on the way home. And I'm lactose intolerant, so that is a mistake. But it's date night. <laughs> so you live it up. Every once in a while, we have the, oh my goodness, I'm so jelly right now because I've got a friend that just got married last week and they are honeymooning in Cancun. And I'm like, oh, I remember I was there once and it was beautiful and I want to go. But your life doesn't happen in Cancun. Our relationship doesn't really develop on date night. It develops when we have these five-minute phone calls on lunch break where we're going different directions at different times. It gets deeper when we watch The Office at home while we eat our dinner with our little TV trays like a bunch of old people. The depth of our relationship happens in the day-to-day -day moments where we invest in this. In this. And Jeremy, there's no replacement for a good date night. There's no replacement for a great church service. But life isn't lived on Friday or on Sunday or in the valley low of Monday. Life is lived on a Tuesday. Turn to your neighbor and say, Tuesday. Tuesday. My goodness, there are just times when we put so much emphasis on church services and getting fed for Sundays and Thursdays. But what if genuinely God is waiting on you to pray on a Tuesday? Mountaintop moments are fantastic. And there are all these nuances of life where you get to see more of God. Some of you have heard me tell the story, but a few years ago, I, it was one of these like conference moments when you like boohooing all over yourself. Like if you ever been to a youth retreat or a conference or whatever, or even a good Sunday morning service at a, at a Pentecostal church or something, and you are just like, Lord, I want all of you. More Lord. It was one of these moments. I was snotting everywhere, hoping nobody was looking. And you're like running it up in your sleeve. And then you realize you're going to have to double wash it later because it's so nasty. It was one of these moments. And the Lord speaks to me in the funniest ways. I was like, God, I want more of you. And he showed me a scene from an Indiana Jones movie. I'm like, where are we going with this, Lord? Like, am I ADD? I thought we were having a, a moment. But the worst Indiana Jones movie, hands down, I don't care if we have to fight about it, was that Crystal Skull nonsense that came out later on. It was so bad. But basically, the whole premise of the movie is the villain, this weird girl, she gets to the end of the movie. Spoiler alert. Sorry, not sorry, because it's an awful movie. I'm going to save you some time. They get to the end of the movie, and she's in this room with a bunch of aliens, and they give her one wish. And she wishes for all the knowledge in the world and explodes. I'm in the altar praying to the Lord. More Lord, more Lord. And I picture, <laughs> I'm like, oh, less Lord, less Lord. We don't quite need that much, God. I don't, I don't know what I was praying. And it took me a minute to understand what the Lord was trying to say to me. He was saying, Caleb, if I told you all of me, if I gave you all of me, that is not going to be good right now. But here's the flip side of that coin. That means that every single day of your life, there is more of him to be seen. And it doesn't just look like Sundays and Thursdays. And praise God, I mean it. I'm so glad you're here. And I hope you get the word in you here and you go home excited and encouraged and filled with the Holy Ghost. But I'm convinced that the deepest revelation of who Jesus is will happen when it's just the two of you in a prayer closet somewhere. So I want to encourage you. 
And I want to ask you this question tonight. What does your Tuesday look like? Take a minute, process. What does your Tuesday look like? When you're stressing, trying to get back and forth from work, when you're running late, you're angry, you're knocking over stuff, walking out your house, just desperately trying to get in the car, realize you didn't make your morning coffee, and then it gets way worse all of a sudden. When you're trying to cram because you know you've got an exam coming up in the next couple of days. When you've stayed up way too late on Tuesday night because you're binge watching whatever you're binge watching. When you're FaceTiming a friend, when you hang out with people, when you do life on Tuesday, do you pray like we did during worship a minute ago? Do you listen to the voice of the Lord as intently as you're listening to the voice of your pastor right now? Do you give hugs to people on Tuesday like you do to your friends that are in the room right now? What does your... Tuesday look like? After Jesus speaks with the disciples, or the, after he speaks with this woman, the disciples come back and, and the conversation gets hilarious. And again, what did I tell you earlier? Jesus was hungry. Jesus was tired, right? Hallelujah. Is that you, Lord? Jesus is hungry. Jesus is tired sends the disciples into a city that they don't want to go into. Now they come back, and Jesus is sitting at a well talking to some strange woman. And that's basically what they say to him, is why are you sitting here talking to this strange woman? Jesus finishes his conversation with the Samaritan woman and runs back into Samaria, into the town, to tell everybody she knows about Jesus, and revival happens. It's crazy. But then Jesus is left sitting here talking with the disciples. And it's one of my favorite conversations that he has with the disciples. Picking back up in verse 31, it says, meanwhile, his disciples urged him, rabbi, eat something. But he said to them, I have food to eat that you know nothing about. Then his disciples said to each other, could someone have brought him food? Again, the context is everything. Because inside, I can't help but picture Peter going, are you for real right now? You sent me into that city and you had Cheez-Its in your back pocket? Is it like, because you know, again, Jesus never does anything on accident. And there's some serious learning experience that's happening when he says, no, I don't care what beef the Jews and the Samaritans have. You're going to go into that city and you're going to talk to those people like you're one of mine and you're going to buy some food and you're going to bring it back. And then they get back and Jesus is like, I'm good. I already ate. And you have to, they're like, What? And you're like, did she make him a sandwich? Who is she? What is all of this? And then Jesus says to them, my food, Jesus said, is to do the will of him who sent me and to finish his work. If you are tired, if you are hungry, serve the Lord. If you're anxious, if you're depressed, serve the Lord. If you're on a mountaintop or a valley low, serve the Lord. If you're hurting, if you're burdened, if you're struggling, serve the Lord. It seems so silly and it's not this big like religious hoopla, but it really feels almost like a Christian cheat code. When you serve the Lord, you feel better. I don't know how it works, but I know that the Bible says in Matthew chapter 6 to seek first his kingdom and his righteousness and all these things will be given to you as well. 
And in Proverbs 11, it says, a generous person will prosper. Whoever refreshes others will be refreshed. What I have found in my life is that you will find a sanctuary in your service. When you put others first for the glory of God, when you serve and submit and do your best to love on the people around you on days that it don't feel good, you will have the weirdest little moments happen. And you'll feel joy that doesn't make sense. And if I could be honest, I've been, um, I've been more tired than normal the last few weeks. And my prayer has been, Lord, you know that one time you mentioned having food that the disciples didn't know about? Can I get some of that? That nice energy bar? I could really use it. And he was like, yeah, I got you. And you know what happened? Last Saturday, y'all gonna love this story. Last Saturday, I was going to Walmart like people do. To get some groceries and such. And uh, I go through, I get all my groceries, I come back out to my truck, and I had a little pride moment, and I'm sorry I'm working on it, but I just really love my truck. I got rear-ended last year, totaled that truck, the Lord gave me a new truck, so I'm like, man, look at that truck. Whoever drives that truck must be handsome, right? I'm like, I'm being stupid about it. Strolling up with my buggy up to my truck, I throw my groceries in there, but on the way there, I see this sweet couple pushing this buggy with a big old TV, I mean a big thing rolling up to their car, and they are both just grinning from ear to ear. I'm like, it's a good day. I got a truck, you got a television, like we're, this is great. And then I put my groceries away and I turn around and they're not so happy anymore because they've realized that their TV is bigger than their car. I'm like, this is, and we're at Walmart. This isn't like Best Buy, this is Walmart. I'm like, y'all, you can't be sitting out here at 10 o'clock tonight with that 70-inch television. I pushed my buggy over to the side of them like, hey, y'all don't know me from anybody, but that's not fitting in your car, is it? <laughs> like, no. I was like, do you have anybody coming? And <laughs> with so much just depression, just complete depression on this man's face, he said, I'm hoping my sister-in-law's going to be here in a little while. And it was like you just watched the carpet get pulled out from it. If you are in the room and you know the joy of getting a big TV for the living room, can you imagine? You just spent all that money, and now you're stuck in the Walmart parking lot. I walk over, I'm like, y'all don't know me at all. I promise I'm not lying. I'm a minister. I work at the church down the road, and I have a truck. If you trust me, I'll help you get the TV home. And these people are like, oh my gosh, that would be so great. Thank you so much. I picked this massive TV up with the help of this guy. We throw it in the bed of my truck and I had this brief moment. There was a little bit, I'm going to be honest. I had this brief moment of like, if I didn't serve the Lord. <laughs> you, I got a Hemi. You are not catching me in that little camera you're driving right now. I could be, a, I didn't do it. I serve the Lord. Y'all chill. You act like you don't have temptations in life. But I was like, no, I serve the Lord. We're good. This is, thank you, Holy Ghost. I've got a TV at home. We're good. I follow this nice man home. I back up into his driveway. I help him carry it into the foyer of their house. And this guy was stuttering over himself, trying to figure out what to say to me. He's like, do you want, you want a snack? Like, you want, a snack? you want something to drink? Like, you want to help me set the TV up? We'll watch Batman? Like, what do you want to do? And I was like, bro, I'm good. Like, we're, we're good. Do you go to church anywhere? He said, yeah, I, we go right down the street to something, something or something. And I was like, praise God. Yeah, it's a great church. 
so happy you're there. It's like, yeah, I'm at, I'm at Park West, just over on the other side of that Walmart that we were at a minute ago. He was like, man, that's great. He was like, I need to hear you preach. And I was like, any Thursday, come on. He was like, man, I don't know what to say. I was like, you're good. Like, you're good. God bless you. And I pulled out of his driveway, and I promise you, I haven't been that happy in a year. And you know what? It wasn't a Sunday. It wasn't a Thursday. It wasn't a Wednesday night. It wasn't some crazy all over the place church service. It was serving the Lord. The depth and the width of our relationship with Jesus, it practically shows up on days that aren't the normal average day. Every day with Jesus is a Sunday anyway. And Saturday is something special. Saturday is that day of possibilities. You think about it when you were a kid, you didn't have homework, you didn't have that weird Saturday shift you had to pick up, you didn't have any of that drama. You slept in, you got up and watched cartoons and played whatever game you wanted, you rode your bike around the cul-de-sac, you lived your best life, right? What if every day with Jesus is supposed to have that kind of Saturday possibility? What if every day could have Sunday significance, even on a Tuesday? If you want to stand to your feet, I'm going to close with this. After Jesus has this final conversation with the disciples... He tells them, yeah, I've got food that you don't know about. And they have this whole little banter moment. And then I want you to hear what he says next. Starting again in verse 34. My food, Jesus said, is to do the will of him who sent me and to finish his work. Well, don't you have a saying? It's still four months until harvest, said Jesus. I tell you, open your eyes and look at the fields. You better hear this, church. They are ripe with harvest. Even now the one who reaps draws a wage and harvests a crop for eternal life so that the sower and the reaper may be glad together. Thus the saying one sows and another reaps is true. Hear this. I sent you to reap what you have not worked for. Others have done done the work and you have reaped the benefits of their labor. 2021 was a year of progress so that 2022 could be a year of harvest. And if that is gonna happen, we better learn to lean into the Tuesday. Because this moment with this woman at the well changed her life forever. And those are the moments where we experience the real depth of our relationship with Jesus. With heads bowed and eyes closed across the room. If you're in the room tonight and you say, Pastor Caleb, my, uh, my faith has been primarily based on Thursdays and Sundays. And I feel the voice of the Lord saying he wants me to spend more time in prayer or he wants me to worship more. He wants me to change what I listen to in the car. He wants me to to lean in that Tuesday would have more meaning. If that's you, would you throw a hand up for me? Thank you, Lord. Hands up all over. Thank you, Lord Jesus. If you're in the house tonight and you say, Pastor, I don't know that I have, um, I don't know that I've accepted Jesus at all or, or I've stepped away and I feel like tonight was an experience at the well for me. And I, I, I hear Jesus saying, just come taste and see that the Lord is good. If you're in the house and you're like, man, I, I don't want to wait anymore. I don't want to handle this anymore. I want more of you, Jesus. If you're here and you're ready to say, maybe for the first time or for the hundredth time, I'm coming back and I give you my full life. 
that's you with nobody else looking around, we throw a hand up for me. Praise God, praise God. Yeah, I see those hands. Thank you, Lord. Thank you, Lord. We're all going to pray this together as a recommitment tonight. If you'll repeat after me, Lord Jesus, come on like you mean it, Lord Jesus. I believe you died for me. I believe you rose for me. I believe you are the Son of God. Tonight I give you my life. Please make me new. Transform my life. In Jesus' name. God, for those couple in the room that just prayed that tonight, for everybody that prayed it tonight, I ask that that would be a trigger that Tuesdays would just be incredible. God, that Monday, Tuesday, Wednesday, Thursday, Friday, Saturday, Sunday would be days lived with you. That in the mountaintop and in the valley low and in all the in-betweens, God, that we would learn to walk hand in hand with you. When we're just traveling, when we're just living normal life, God, give us eyes to see and ears to hear what the Holy Spirit would say to us. That we wouldn't just stay out in life thirsty and desperate and hungry, but God, that we would taste of the living water. So tonight, fill us up. Fill us up afresh and anew. Bless these people physically, mentally, emotionally, spiritually, and financially, that they would be blessed and highly favored. In Jesus' name, and everybody said, amen. Come on, make some noise for the Lord tonight.